0: On today's pod, uh, we will talk about status and what it costs you, a conversation about Dame and other NBA players with the most playoff pressure on them. John Horst, not as much pressure with that ring. And Giannis, the GM of the Milwaukee Bucks, we'll talk some Bucks and other stuff, life advice, and a sweet 16 of the worst guys. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode. For additional details, must be 21 and older, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. As we gear up for the playoffs, you know, like a lot of years, kind of think about what's on the line for all of the superstars in this league. And there's a lot. Uh, I think we're about to go to war here. Uh, because I have no idea what's going to happen, and there's going to be some good players that lose early, and they're going to wonder what that means for them moving forward. But I was listening to Dame Lillard with J.J. Reddick and Tommy Alter the other day on the podcast, and it got me thinking kind of like how we talk about Dame. Um, because in general, when we talk about NBA stars, I think NFL quarterbacks fall into this too. We can be dicks. Uh, I can even be it sometimes. I'd like to think that I'm pretty fair if I decide that I'm gonna be critical of somebody and critical to the point where I'm like, I just don't know if you're one of those guys or if you're actually a number one in the kind of player a team can build around and win with. I won't say that unless I feel really good about it. And that's usually one or two seasons, rarely one, Um, but we do say it about a lot of players. So when I think about how fair we can be, because honestly, if you have enough determination and time, you can kind of argue against everything, right? any playoff run, this player's success, the team building that we've seen in recent NBA history that we're not seeing as much the last couple seasons. Um, But we can definitely downgrade someone's accomplishment or we can downgrade their accomplishments if they don't want a ring because that's super easy, right? Hey, he doesn't have a ring. Why am I supposed to be talking about him as one of the greats of all time or one of the top five players in the NBA? And maybe that's the value of a ring, right? Maybe the value of a ring is that we forget a lot of the little things I remember Golden State with their first run, Doc Rivers saying, well, you know what? A lot of guys were hurt if they went up against. And you're like, okay, but every single playoff year, there's one, maybe two dramatic injuries that changes the entire outcome. And like I said, maybe that's good. Maybe it's good that we forget these little things along the way. Granted, that team's fan base that's on the losing side or maybe the winning side, but more likely the losing side will remember those little specific things that most of us forget. And again, like I said, maybe that's kind of cool. Maybe that's the best part of the accomplishment, whether it's Durant's foot on the line against Giannis in game seven. A reminder there, Durant had 48 points. And if his toe's behind the line and his 49 points, the Nets with that team beat the Bucks and were left sitting here watching Giannis win MVPs uh, if he doesn't win a title that year, you know, who knows? Maybe they're more motivated, so you can't connect it all and say if he doesn't have that one, he'd never have one. But if Giannis didn't have one, we would talk about him very differently, even though he'd probably be the exact same player. Durant had 48. That's the most points ever in a Game 7 in NBA history. And like I said, if it's 49, maybe we're talking about players a lot differently. And in that playoff run, too, that was a lingering kind of hangover of me talking about Durant going, he's the best player missing time. He's not healthy. And then I think as you listen to this podcast, you've heard me kind of transition going into like, I can't have it beat Durant anymore, even though it, his size handle, pull up dribble and getting the shots that he gets and makes I'm like, that's the special talent. Like that's beyond anybody else, but he just didn't play enough at this point to put him ahead of Giannis anymore. I mean, he went for a cool 35, 10 and five in that series and they lost. And it's almost like that series doesn't even count for the Durant legacy unless you really are digging into it or doing a two-hour podcast on Kevin Durant. The Ray Allen three against the Spurs that sent it to overtime. Spurs fans won't forget this, but man who had a steal on what was a terrible turnover from LeBron under 30 seconds to go. And if you hated LeBron... Boy, are you mad how that game turned out? Because that would have been nice fodder for your anti-LeBron stance. You'd be like, oh, biggest spot, huge turnover. Man who goes the other way, he's fouled. and He actually missed a free throw that would have made it a four-point game. Only made one of two after knocking down two earlier. So raise three wouldn't have meant anything. And that changed everything because then Miami gets their title uh, with that group against the Spurs. Granted, they had already beat Oklahoma City, but you know, it's another ring. And it's the same as if you're talking about Brady. You're like, well, if this didn't happen, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. But It's like, yeah, but all those things happen because you're only focusing on the things you can take away from a player and not focusing on the other things that he could potentially have had if things had worked out of his side. So, like I said, maybe... We should forget some of these smaller things because if you really wanted to, you could do it all day. And then all of a sudden, you're just downgrading everybody. That doesn't seem like very much fun. Like, why are we even watching and talking about this sport? So, as I mentioned at the top, I saw Lillard with, uh, with Reddick and it was really good. And it got into kind of how we look at Dame. Like, right now, just blink, whatever. Malcolm Gladwell. I say Dame Lillard. You say Dame, Dame Lillard to your, your group of NBA friends that are super into it. Like, what's, what's the consensus? Right, man, he's really good. Look at the scoring numbers. Man, when he goes, like his guards go, like is he that far off the rest of those dudes? Maybe not. But there's no real playoff resume to get excited about. Uh, it's a Western Conference Finals against the Warriors where they got swept. Durant wasn't even playing. Remember Durant got hurt in the Houston series, came back, played like 12 minutes against Toronto in the finals. Um, so when you say, you know, has Dame Lillard ever had like a real sniff of playoff success? Not Really? Uh, because I, even though they were in the Western Conference Finals, it didn't feel like they were a real contender with it. But it started, the conversation on the podcast started getting into like, you know, how are you going to reconcile your career if you end this whole thing without a ring? And Reddick was very open going like, look, I talked to my therapist about it. It was hard for me to move on from it. And they both said some similar things. But to focus on what Lillard said, it was like, look, I did it the right way, where he even followed up as soon as he said it, saying this is not me knocking super teams, but it was also him reminding everybody that he wasn't pursuing a super team to get out of there, to get out of Portland, although that's TBD considering where this goes and some of his recent comments saying, I don't want to be here for rebuilding phase. Um, You know, he said, look, whether it's the relationships, the money you put together, like I'll have a fulfilled career if this is all that it is. And I couldn't help but think, even though most of us, you know, me talking and all of us listening are pro athletes. Like I could say it, but that's probably what I would say if I didn't win a a ring. Like I would find some way to process feeling good about what is an incredible opportunity to be able to be a Hall of Famer and have this kind of career, but never have the ultimate goal. So you'll kind of come up with some other stuff being like, hey, look, I know that's the goal, but man, did I have a lot of fun and did I do all these great things knowing deep down if you would actually won one, you'd be like, yeah, a lot of that other stuff is kind of bullshit. Lillard's 32, as I mentioned, will be 33 this summer. He's just at about 20,000 points for his career. 10,000 points from now seems a little lofty, not impossible. Players are playing longer than ever, shooting age as well. Although his quickness off the dribble and getting into open spots, you know, that would diminish at some point. So if it's not 10,000, because 10,000 more points is going to put him as a top 10 scorer of all time, knowing that there will be other people moving up that are still playing. Uh, let's say 8,000 points, that would put him right now at 10th, just ahead of Moses Malone. So what do you do with Dane if that's what it is, but the playoff resume is a continuation of what it's been throughout his entire career? Like, can you say he's good? Five years after he's retired, can you say, granted, good is silly, but can you say he's one of the greats? And as I remind us all, those aren't, you know, those the rules are that you're not allowed to do that. Like how many Chris Paul arguments do you think I'm winning in 10 years? Not many. <laughs> not looking forward to those. And I'm going to get to some of the playoff pressure with certain groups and certain players that we have and kind of separating those two. And that's why I think Lillard's a really good example of this because as great as he's been and as great as the final numbers will be, You'll go, okay, but, you know, he wasn't really Steph. Um, You know, the Kyrie conversation is always very difficult, just going like, what am I going to do with him historically? You know, Westbrook's been this complete 180 as far as like, I think what people thought he was and the impact that he had to now going to all of these different teams where it seems like, how do we even find a way to fit him in if he's not the ball-dominant player? He was in Oklahoma City. And I look, I don't want to turn this into this whole Westbrook thing again. I, I think it's all been said. But what it got me thinking about was that maybe Lillard just is in that group that doesn't have the pressure on him that the other players have that we know. Like, there's no real debate. Like, we know who the best five or six are and those guys end up taking all the shit. So there's really good players where when they don't have playoff success, we just kind of shrug Or it's like, wait, if Lillard got a ring at 36 with another team, then we're all of a sudden going to pretend he was a different dude. Like that doesn't seem like that makes any sense. So as far as like making the point of, well, if he wasn't that guy, isn't this actually all playing out the way it's supposed to? Because if he was actually one of those dudes and that much better, then he'd have better playoff success. Uh, and we'd give him more credit for doing it on his own instead of joining up with somebody else. Because that's that's the other weird part of it, too. Like, imagine having a Damian Lillard argument with guys and he only makes it to the Western Conference Finals in 2019. And then someone says, yeah, but he did it the right way. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's going to want to say that. You'd laugh at your friend for doing it that way. So when I look at Lillard, who's not even part of this conversation as we move it forward because they're going to be out of the playoffs, three and a half out of the playing game, they're shutting it down, like whatever. I wanted to come over with kind of a definitive list, but also that separation, that line of separation where it's like, yeah, you're really good and you may make all NBA teams and you're going to have all these all-star appearances and you're going to be in the Hall of Fame and the final numbers are going to be incredible. But you were kind of below this line of pressure. All right? So if I look at the number one guy, it's going to be Jokic. It's his fifth playoff season coming up. He had the Western Conference Finals in the bubble year against the Lakers. I don't think many people gave Denver much of a chance. The Suns in four sweep was bad because it felt like, and something that I'll be looking at here, if Denver goes far in the playoffs, it's like, wait will Jokic become somewhat of a liability defensively, even though I do think his activity on defense is better than the internet would have you believe, but it's just never going to look as good with him because visually it never looks as good. And he's not as good as some of the other, uh, he's clearly not as good defensively as some of the other dominant big men. But I don't even count the Golden State five-game series loss last year. Monty Morris was their number two scorer. The team was, was hit by injuries. So last year's run. But if Jokic has an early exit, with all the MVP attention and how nasty that it's gotten this year, like get ready. If you don't like Jokic and they lose in the second round, it's going to be Christmas for you this summer. Number two, and this could be three, so three could be two, but as of right now, it's Harden and MB. I've already talked about Harden too much already. I'm not going to anymore. We all get the conversation around him in the playoffs, but Joel's going into his sixth playoff run. He's had four second-round exits. Last year against Miami, he missed the first two games early. Like, I don't care about that one. The Atlanta one is on Ben Simmons. It's not an Embiid. But this is a dude that might win the MVP this year that's clearly a top five player that is above that line of pressure where you're supposed to have all this pressure, where I still think, and I mentioned this on Sunday with Bill, I'm not suggesting, hey, we should shit on these guys more. That's not what I'm doing. But for whatever reason, and I think it's because he is actually so liked, which is the opposite of how he seems to feel about himself, that he has not reached that what's going on with this guy Face maybe locally in Philly, but not nationally. If you look at national shows and all of the content out there, Embiid is not in the crosshairs like other players of his stature, which is fine. I'm okay with it. But he's kind of like on deck behind Jokic here. The reason I say the Harden-Embiid combo is number two and could be number three, because if the Suns come back with Durant, Durant's in an entirely different category. He's already got the rings. They're probably the most downgraded rings of any modern superstar, which is silly because as I mentioned minutes ago, I thought for a while there for a two-year stretch, I wouldn't have taken anyone ahead of him. But if Durant comes back, it's almost like he's at zero. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what the perception is of him joining one of the great teams of all time with Golden State, where it's like, yeah, he got his rings. But like Just be honest with me. If you're not a Durant fan, not necessarily even anti-Durant, you probably diminish those a little bit more than some of the other ones, even if those were constructed as well with super teams. Chris Paul, it just hasn't looked as good. It just hasn't. Trust me, I'm watching every night, hoping I see some sign. I got really excited for a couple of weeks there in January. Uh, I'm not even sure if after what happened against Dallas last year and blowing the 2-0 lead against the finals, I don't even know if anybody's like, Anti-Chris Paul people are just like, dude, you're, you're still talking, right? And I get it. And then Booker kind of skates in a way where he would have more of this pressure on him if the rant weren't there or if it weren't this Chris Paul thing going on for a decade and a half. Then there's a drop-off. The Clippers, because Kawhi's already got his rings, Paul George has got the injury. They put this team together. They put all the resources into it. It looks like it's supposed to be better. They've had some nice stretches, but the George injury changes everything. So if the Clippers are out early, especially when you start looking at like where these four or five matchups are and how four, five, six and beyond are going to shake out, if Durant comes back, will teams be tanking the last couple of days, hoping to get out of that four or five matchup and much rather play against Memphis or Sacramento? Absolutely. Like that will happen. And I don't blame teams for wanting to do it. But the Clippers, because it's been so long and disappointing and the uncertainty, and here we go again, another chapter in the injury history of this group. I feel like it's kind of a wash, and Kawhi already has his hardware. And George is in that second group, which is kind of like the Jimmy Butler group. Jimmy Butler's a terrific player. Look at the numbers from last year. He might be All-NBA again this year. Um, the team isn't as good. That might work against him with the voters. But Butler doesn't carry the same burden, not even close, as the other dominant wing players. Giannis, I could put on this list only because of second ring pressure, that if you really are going to go down is one of the all-time greats, right? Like We're talking when it's all said and done, could Giannis be top 10 of all time? He's tracking that way. He'd need another one. So with Giannis, we're not even there yet. It would have to happen a few more years. And trust me, it will happen because this is what we do. Memphis, too young. Sacramento, too young. Golden State, the whole group. They got their extra ring, it feels like, last season. Luka, still too young. Trey is... Great as the numbers are, he probably has way more to do with like figuring out his own role on the team as opposed to where he is in the standing of all of this stuff. And I already hit on Butler. Tatum really could be number four here. And my perception of all of this could be off. You could have different ones. I, you know, I think I, I pay enough attention to this stuff. Tatum last year in the NBA playoffs, most points, most assists, did play in more games because they reached the finals. The Eastern Conference Finals losses with him don't bother me as much because I feel like a few of those were actually just way ahead of schedule as the organization was like, wait, I guess we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami lost, whatever. I thought Miami was the better team They didn't have an answer for BAM. But all the Tatum stuff wasn't exactly great in the finals. It felt a little stagnant. He came back he was a better player and he was in that MVP conversation. But since the All-Star break, he hasn't looked as good. He was terrific in Sacramento. The team hasn't looked as good. I believe he's good enough that he will figure it out. Um, And the Celtics probably put together some kind of run here when everybody's healthy. But they're not going to be the favorites coming out of the East. I don't think anybody in their right mind would pick a healthy Boston against a a healthy Milwaukee. But with Tatum, there's kind of that slight line. It's not solid bold, black ink. It's just kind of, you know, it's faded a bit, but there does feel like there's a little bit of a line in that separation of who he is. And that really comes down to status. The status you have in the league is the price that you pay when it comes to pressure. Every one of these stars wants that status. Most of them, even though they need help, want to kind of be the guy. And you have to kind of go through getting your ass kicked enough to go, maybe I don't always want to be the guy, or maybe I'd like another guy (laughs) because everybody needs another guy. So when it's all said and done about any of these players, the status while you play, you may have reached your goals, but because of it, the price you'll pay will end up costing you much more historically. The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, and sign up to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. Uh, you also can get way more college hoops on one shining podcast, but I'll give you out two right now. We said Arkansas uh, was three and a half against UConn. It's now plus four and a half and the under one thirty-eight and a half and on FanDuel right now, Princeton and Creighton. So good luck with all that. So don't miss your shot at a new sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued with non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com forward slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9WITH-IT Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. one 877 770 stop in Louisiana. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit mahelpline.org forward slash problem gambling in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to four six seven three eight nine in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. He is the general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the one seed in the East. He has a title and he has maybe the best player in the world. General manager, John Horst. Okay, John, I want to start with uh, this team. At the beginning of the year, you know, and, and you're in a good spot here where it's kind of like, all right, the Bucks, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We should because of the history, because of the talent, because of Giannis. But in the beginning, it was like, okay, where's the depth coming from? Then you add Ingalls, you get the guys back healthy, uh, you add Jay Crowder. Like where are you now in comparison to maybe the questions you had about how deep you could go and how how you know malleable you were as a lineup depending on who you face in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think our depth is great, you know, and and we've we've really felt strong about this team since the start of the season, and we knew there was going to be some adversity with Chris starting in the year with Pat Connaughton, Joe Ingles working his way back in. I think we always understand that that it's not going to be the. final product on day one and so there was always a a view and a version of this team that we were going to try to build um, around the trade deadline as well and i think what you see now is a team that has over the last 25 games or so um when mostly healthy has performed you know top five top six type offense top one or two defense you know overall net rating best in the league Um, we've done that in a relatively tough strength of schedule um so this team whole has been really good And, and hopefully Like you said, I love your word, malleable, hopefully a lot of different versions um, and iterations of this team um, for a playoff run, you know, but but at the start of the year, our depth was good, too. I mean, we really got through a tough stretch of the season being within striking distance of the top spot in the East and a really tough East uh, all year. And that's really credit to the guys, you know, like Brooke and Drew and Giannis and and Grayson and Bobby, some of the guys that have played more consistently for us um, throughout the year we've had a deep team to even be in that position, you know, prior to getting fully healthy.
0: You make the Drew trade. And, you know, whenever you look at these trades now, that really is, is more of a, a, reflection of the modern nba of like okay the price is three unprotected maybe we get a swap in there or whatever and this isn't an insightful but i've been talking about it going it i i can't i don't want to say i can't wait until it happens because it's going to be awful but there's going to be some team being like oh my god we got killed on this long term your team is probably better positioned where you're like i don't know that we're going to be totally freaked out about where one of these picks lands in a couple years uh but then you look at the drew price and then to see it way it plays out like there's I know there's no regret, so I'm not asking you if there's none, but getting him in the building and then having him every day and deciding to shut down different perimeter players based on what you had to do and, and everything else that was involved in that transaction, um, I guess you're just looking at, I'm not saying you get a discount, but that's going to be one of the ones historically where I feel like, okay, yeah, we had no issue with the price because we got who
1: we got. Well, I think I think it was one of the first ones too. I mean, if you really think about how aggressive we how aggressively we pursued Drew um, not only from a draft capital perspective, but we traded really good players at the time, you know, George Hill and and uh, Eric Bledsoe were very high performing Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, in addition to the draft capital, we gave up, but we felt like Drew was that, you know, we did all the analysis, all of our studying, scouting, you know, kind of the whole process that we go through to make a decision on a player that we target and we want to acquire. He was clearly the guy. And we then try to figure out how to best accomplish the deal. And, and preserve a lot of our core of our roster. You know, the guys we're able to preserve, um, still with us today was really impactful. And, and I think, yeah, it's worked And and I think you have to make these bets, uh, to, to really compete for championships. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I'm very blessed and lucky that, you know, the guy we got has since been an all-star. He's been a multi-time all NBA defender. He'll be that again this year. Uh, He's an NBA champion. He's an incredible human being. He's been unbelievable in our community. Um, great teammate. I think he's won the NBA teammate of the year award. So his accolades, um, both from the team perspective and and really um, an individual perspective, have been remarkable. You know, and so I don't know that we knew we were getting an Olympian, All Star, NBA champion, teammate of the year, community person to the level of what he's done. Uh, but he's done it. And so I guess that makes whatever happens going forward irrelevant, honestly. My point, it'll matter to the impact of the team at some point, but we did the deal for a reason and it worked. And, and the guy we got was well worth whatever ends up happening. Of all those factors, and they're all good ones and it's
0: it's accurate, uh, the factor of showing commitment to moving future draft capital to Giannis to get the extension, how much was that baked in to the decision?
1: I don't... Yeah, the answer is uh, completely. Um, I don't know if it, it's not the exercise of showing him, though. It's it's the, the actual commitment. I, I think him understanding and knowing and believing and trusting that you know from myself, from our organization and ownership level, you know, on the business side, the the financial commitment of those types of things. Um, from a coaching perspective, uh, being all in, I think I think Giannis knows and believes that from day one when you have. Someone like him, who is really a generational uh, talent, he's the MVP of our league, which I know we'll get into later. He's been that multiple times; he'll be it again. Uh, He's a champion. All the things he's done already at his age and in his young career, um, we have an obligation. I always call it an awesome responsibility to be all in, and so it's not really kind of trying to show him that; it's just doubling, tripling down on what we've already tried to commit to him and show him, you know, in years past and And we've done it since, like Drew, we did it in a different way. We did it for Jay Crowder, like in a different way. We did it for Nico Miritich the year before. We have committed to figuring out ways to put the best team around Giannis each and every season. And I think that's our awesome obligation and, and responsibility to do so.
0: Whether it's international, whether it's college, you know, G League needs to be factored into all this stuff, too. Because you have Giannis and you have him at this age and he's already so special, uh, you know, the evaluation is like, hey, I think this guy can play. I don't think this guy can play. What changes when you're thinking about, okay, well, I think this guy can play, but I definitely think he can play with what we want to do and how we plan to build around Giannis for multiple years forward. Like, how does Giannis in his prime change the way you evaluate a future teammate?
1: I think it's more specific. I think the answer is that's how it changes. I, I've I've been blessed that in my executive role, lead executive role, I've only had to figure that part out, right? I have had experiences in my long NBA career of the other, and I think when you don't have that core star, um, you are you're you have a more open general view of how you uh, acquire talent, how you want to try to build, because you're trying to find the next star, and so there's 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 less specificity to it. When you have someone like Giannis, he sets the tone culturally, sets the tone style of play, he sets the tone expectation wise. It becomes much more finite, much more specific as to what can work and who we want to acquire. Which, frankly, uh, makes the job easier in terms of the types of players that you want to try to get. Sometimes harder because you have a smaller pool, and and of course harder because of the expectations. But um, I think it just makes it much more specific.
0: I want to ask you about the MVP without it being very obvious that you'd be talking about your guy, and then also not it trying can to be fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> when you when you're talking to one of your buddies who just goes like what what is it about him? What is it about Giannis? So here you go. The floor is yours, John. Take it away.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's great. Uh I it depends on what you think the award is, right? Is it a league award? Is it a team award? I think luckily for for us in Milwaukee, he's both. He's the MVP of the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think he's the MVP of the league. Um it, you know, the Bucks is easy. You know, look at where we were able to be Uh, throughout this season with a lot of different lineups, a lot of key injuries to really core players. And that's, that's squarely on his ability to help us get through that weather, those storms. I mean, he is, he is one of four seasons in the history of the NBA to be a 20, 10 and five guy. I'm sorry, 30, 10 and five guy um, being with, I think, Kareem and Wilt and Giannis. So like, that's pretty rare. You know, you look at, uh what he's doing from a scoring perspective. And he's doing it, I think, in the in the top 80 in minutes. So maybe he's like 75th, 76th in minutes. He's like fifth in our league in scoring. He's up there in rebounding. Um, His 40-10 games, he leads the league in 40-10 games this year. Um, And that's that's kind of the Bucks perspective. From the league perspective, my view would be that they usually want to reward the best player and the best team. Well today as we talk, we have the best league, uh best record in the entire league, and he's the best player on our team. And so I really I just don't see how there's another guy that's no disrespect to anybody else. Um, this guy, in my opinion, is the MVP of the league. And we could go on and on about the stats and the person and all of that. But he's the best player on the best team. And he's helped us get there so far um, with really a lot of adversity in our season. Does he know that you won back-to-back titles in college at Rochester? <laughs> I don't think so. But you know what? If we we're able to at some point grab another title, maybe I'll tell him he's tied with me then. <laughs> uh, cause- you know, this probably comes up a little bit. I mean, you look,
0: you're on the younger side. Um, You know, it's, it's Giannis. Now, my guess is from his personality that he's wired a little differently because of his background being that much different. But do you get to a point where it's not just executive player? Granted, it can't ever be t- like it can't ever be strained because it's like, whatever we can pay you, we'll pay you, man. Don't worry about it. So there's not that employer, employee type of thing. But what is that relationship like for you that's kind of grown up as an executive with him growing up as a player and an international superstar?
1: Yeah, uh, it's special. Not not something that we talk about a lot publicly, not something I'll talk a lot about today. Um, but just it's, it's really special. It, it's been an unbelievable yeah. blessing to kind of grow up as an executive as he's grown up as a player, like you said. And, and I think it gives both of us a unique perspective on the league, unique perspective on where we're at today. He is an incredibly grateful, uh, humble uh, individual that that appreciates everything that he's accomplished and everything he's been allowed to be part of. Um, I try really hard to be the same. Um, and it's it's just fun to to see where we are now compared to where we were then and to really give a lot of credit to those that have helped us be there. And the reasons why we're here that's um, kind of funded to, to in a very small way mirror um, his path and his growth um, on the executive side and the way he has a player. But it's uh, we talk about it a lot. It's special internally. We talk about it a lot. It's special, but it's it's not something we talk a lot about publicly.
0: OK, could you do this then? I mean, that's cool. Okay. Uh, is there a moment, whether it's as a person or a player, where he surprises you? where you're like, man, what, you know, because I think there's still stuff on the court every now and then I'll see with him and be like, wait, did he just do what I think he did? And I always, what I like the most about him is that his aggression. I never have to worry about where he's at mentally. I never have to worry about, I think he wants to go at every single person. I think he plays, you know, look, there's other guys that play without fear, but to combine it all with his body and his ability and to have like he's wired the way you want your superstar to be wired so I wonder if there's even moments where you're ever surprised by any of this because you've been around it since basically day one
1: well let's let's go with your term surprised all the time on the floor I mean no matter how much you you are around him and you witness it and you see him work you have expectations of maybe what you're going to see he he just continues to exceed it I mean he just continues to exceed my expectations I think everyone around him as to what he can do on the on the floor, and it it could be a dunk, it could be a play in a practice, it could be a play in a game, it could be a leadership moment, you know, on the court with a player. He just he continues to push that envelope. So yeah, I get surprised all the time on the floor, off the floor, kind of on a personal level. I would I would say more challenged, understanding the the uh, pressures he has, the commitments on his time, the demands on his time in and, and seeing the moments where he still focuses on family or focuses on a teammate or focuses on a staff member and, and is really gracious with his time and his energy and his his kind of his insight and wisdom really at this point in his life. Um I, I often get challenged, you know, because we can all get stuck in, man, I'm too busy or I've got to do this or I'm tired of this. And when you see someone like him that has all the demands he has to still pull out time to be the person he is genuinely and sincerely. I get challenged often by him in that way. Just just kind of observing. Do you guys have a term for when you can tell he's mad and you're like, uh-oh, he's mad? <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a great question. I don't think so. Um, you can, locked in, I mean, I don't know about mad. You can just see him when he really, I mean it
0: in a good way, John. I mean yeah. it like, I think there's this extra little level of when he's like, all right, enough of this. And it's like, it's usually bad news for everybody else. I think so the viral one's like when he starts mean mugging, right? Like when yeah. you, the mean mug, we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. So I remember my first job on the air in Boston. This is going back a ways. And it was 03. Okay. So i have been on a minor league baseball for a year and then I, I make it to Boston. And I was lucky enough to get to know some of the Boston front office people because we were the Celtics radio station. And I was just obsessed with this concept of like, what is it that you see that none of us see? what is it that you see? Like, I was convinced there was just this lens that they watched basketball through that mere mortals could never quite understand. And I'd ask about it and they were nice because I was annoying as hell. And they kind of like, I felt like they almost were keeping it a secret. And the secret is that there isn't some magic lens it's just you have to watch so much that either you do figure it out or you're incapable of figuring it out when was that moment for you in that okay I love basketball I'm playing in college which is you know eliminates most of us that ever played up growing it uh play grew grew up playing it but what was that moment for you John Where you were kind of like all right this is what I want to do and by the way am I actually good at it like I'm keeping an internal track record of who I think can play and who can't play
1: um, That's a great... I don't know the moment exactly. I, I The education, uh, I, I often say this, I've been blessed to have worked um, for Joe Dumars and then for John Hammond and worked with guys like Jeff Weltman and David Morway and Justin Zanuck, um, who I think the world of in terms of evaluating team building processes. And they all do it differently. And so I don't know about a specific moment. I do know that um, when I was uh, awarded an opportunity to be a GM, I was very confident in my ability to pull from and utilize and replicate a lot of those processes and those things that I learned and studied and been part of for years to try to apply it in my own way with with my own group and try to have success in evaluation and, and team building. And it's really hard. I mean, at the end of the day, like we get a lot of it wrong. You try to get as much of it right as you can there's not a perfect lens um, as an individual. There's not a perfect lens as an organization. It is the man hours, the people hours, um, the analysis, the analytics, the the processes and kind of pulling all that together to try to make the best bet you can. And um, I'm just grateful that I had a lot of experiences and exposure to that growing up in Pistons organization and the box organization um, from people who I really respect in those areas. And so I think we've done a good job so far. We've got a lot of ways in which we can get better. But yeah, I don't have a specific moment, but those would be the influences in that format.
0: That was a good answer for what ended up probably being a bad question because I was hoping for this kind of like, <laughs> you know, 90 minute mark in the movie. Um, maybe I could try it, try it this way. Because I, I think the job, I personally, and I don't even think it's biased. I, I don't really know what the other argument would be. It's harder than being a jam in the NFL. It's harder than being a jam in baseball. Everyone has their challenges. But again, if you don't have one of the five guys, you are not going to win a title. You have one. And then you can have all these rules and you can have all these priorities (laughs) building a roster, but then you're like, okay, nobody's taking our cap space. So I've got to spend it on somebody that I don't really like. Uh, I know whenever I've asked other GMs being like, do you, is there anything you prioritize less, more Then it feels like you're giving away some secrets, but you know, now that you've had the job for years and you have a title in the back pocket, how do you think you've evolved
1: as an evaluator? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's easy. So, um, talent, you have to have talent, like without talent, it's not going to happen. We have, I have moved as an evaluator and I've learned this from bud. I've learned this from winning, from being around our group, seeing it fail. Talent is not the, the number one thing. I mean, I think there's a baseline level of talent that everyone has to have fit when you're talking about having one of those five guys competing for the things that we're trying to compete for fit and fit is broad right it's 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 a very vast definition and it's specific specific to the player or the system which you're trying to fit it into but there's a lot of different areas in which you have to fit the fit of a player um far exceeds the talent of a player in terms of importance and team building in my mind and my philosophy and and kind of the way we've done it and so that's absolutely like an evolution for me because, um, you know, I, I would have early on, I, I would bet way more on talent and we can go figure out the fit and we can coach this and we can teach this. And that's really hard. You know, I, I think you need to start the other way and and you have to have a baseline level of talent. Like you and I, doesn't matter how good our fit is. We're not going to make it, but, but if you can meet, meet that baseline level of talent, then I think fit becomes paramount.
0: Yeah. I always feel like talent's like you have different talent rules when you're not any good. <laughs> and then when you're good, you're like, okay, it's it's not just about talent because we're good or, you know, we're good to go with whether you're here or not. Okay. Uh, I when We talked about the evolution here. A couple of things before we finish up. Um, Brooke Lopez, I'm not going to ask you to give me a comp of somebody who found a way to then, I mean, when you think about his previous contracts, at one point it was like, wait, this guy's free. And then the Lakers don't keep him around. And then the first deal is that much. And now, you know, he's making the kind of money he should for the impact that he has on the game. But it's a very rare case. So I'm not putting you on the spot and being like, what other player has changed his game this much to fit in? But like, what does it say about him for you to kind of go, this dude that was an afterthought for all the teams in the league to be this important to maybe the best team in the NBA?
1: Yeah, I think if we start backwards a little bit, He's going to be 35 in a couple of, you know, April 1st. So in a few days here, um, and he's having the best, arguably the best season of his career as a two-way player. I mean, I think since All-Star break, the guy's averaging 28 and three, you know, and, and um, I think he leads the league in blocked, uh, uh, total blocked shots, leads the league by far in contested shots. The
0: contest stuff doesn't even look
1: real. Yeah. It's I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. Which, by the way, is why our defense has been a top, you know, three-four defense the entire season. A lot of the season, one of the top one defenses. Um, he's in the top two or three in block shots per game. He's doing all this. So starting backwards from there, it's incredible what he's doing now. And and I think he's evolved within our system and within our style. You know, in the five or I think five or six seasons he's been with us so far. He had started doing that prior to, you know, so if you really look at Brooks evolution, it's kind of started his last year in, in Brooklyn, Jersey, his uh, year in the Lakers, and then his year with us. And his evolution has been this kind of dominant interior defender that has a major impact on, on rebounding and that can stretch the floor, you know, And, and that evolved from a guy who could score his tail off, right. <laughs> in all his years in Jersey. And I think it's, a, it's nothing more than a credit to him as an athlete, I think you can sometimes miss what a great athlete he is because of his size, but the guy is massive. And his ability to move, and his hand-eye coordination, and catch, and finish, and strength, and mobility—it's really off the charts. Um, his intellect, you know, his IQ—it's—it's—it's it's, it's what's allowed him to figure out the trends of the NBA and to continue to go on and and you know get better in certain areas. And then he is an unbelievable competitor. You know, I think you look at. Uh, his ability to come back from an injury and and really have a great healthy year at this age and I think he'll have other great healthy years going forward. He cares so much. He's very 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 committed to the team. He's very committed to his craft and he has been his entire career. I mean, he battled injuries early in his career, got through it in a huge way, battled an injury last year, has gone through it in a huge way. So, just the competitive nature. So, to kind of really sum it up, I mean, you talk about his athleticism, his character and IQ and really his competitiveness, Um, and that's how you get a guy doing the things that he's doing. And I have to say it, like he is clearly Defensive Player of the Year in my mind. I mean, what this guy does, how he impacts our defense, if you need no other stat than what we were defensively last year without him and what we are defensively every other year with him, that tells the entire story. I mean, his impact on our defense is massive.
0: I was going to vote for Drew, possibly. You may have have changed my mind now, though, so I don't want to to take away vote for him publicly. Uh, Okay, I I have two things before we finish. I believe a lot of criticism of coaching is completely unfair. Uh, I don't know that it's all that educated. I am not pretending that I know everything. I'm just reluctant to be as critical of coaches. That's why everybody gets so worked up about timeouts because it's super easy to tell when a guy doesn't call one or does. And then when they don't and something doesn't work out, you feel better about being like, but well, should have called the timeout. So when I think about Brook's coverage in certain matchups, like I go back to that Pelicans game this year where Valanciunas went insane, but Bud was like, we don't want you to move. Don't worry. Don't contest the Valanciunas stuff. Brooke looks to Bud and is like, do you seriously want me to keep letting him shoot these shots? And Bud's like, yes, because it was about cutting off Zion. Uh, I even remember the Atlanta series a couple years ago when you won the whole thing. I thought there were moments in the drop covers for Brooke on the drives where it was like, wait, is he going to be able to play in some of these closing minutes? And and I think there's a lot of times, too, with a big and a certain playoff game where it looks like, oh, my God, game three, never try that again. And then game four, it works. You know, it's just, it's sports, the way it kind of works. The reason I point all this out, is that, is it actually better to have a coach that you actually know what he wants to do all the time? Instead of a coach, you'd be like, the minute something doesn't work, like the fans, they all want everybody to abandon it, which is not the way to do the job. So some could call it stubborn. I think in a way it's it's predictable and it actually may be easier for the front office to do the job with a coach that isn't going to change every single thing he wants to do just based on the result.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would answer that just from a not to be too philosophical, but like, be, please do. Be, we're yeah, closing I mean, it out just like in any walk of life, I don't know how you have ultimate success if you're constantly changing. You have to have conviction. You have to have habit to be successful. You also have to have flexibility, and, and so there's a balance. I mean, now you can't be all of one and none of the other. Um, you can't be changing all the time. And you can't never change. And, and I think that's where Bud's great. I mean, he's, he's been the coach of the year. He's, he's won a championship now. He's, he's on the verge, I think, of having three or four seasons with the Milwaukee Bucks where we have the best regular season record. Um, he did that with Atlanta. Um, he's an incredible coach. And I think he's very convicted. Um, he absolutely has habits. And he, he presses into our guys to get better every single day and to create great habits to believe in what we're doing. You have to have a core foundation of what you are, but then you have to be able to adjust. You have to be willing to do it and you have to be talented enough to do it. And that's not just him, it's his staff and it's everyone else. And it's it's being communicated with and communicated to. Um, and I think he's showing all of those things. I, I, I don't even know if it exists, but I would far prefer that over a coach who constantly is adjusting and changing because of fit when you're trying to win at the highest level, which we are trying to do, I mean, our goal is to be in a position year in and year out to compete for championships. I think you have to know who your core superstar is and what fits him. And we've talked a ton about that. You have to know what the system is and what your coach wants to run and the types of players that fit in that system as well. And Bud clearly has that established. And so I think those things are probably the two biggest contributors to our success so far um, is to have those those foundation foundational pillars of which we can
0: build from. Right. And that's why I think when it doesn't work and then it's like, oh, he's stubborn. And look, I don't have to remind you, like down to Phoenix, the net series. It's like, oh, here we go again. And it's just funny how it's like, actually, he didn't he didn't really, you know, because there's an adjustment here. There's an adjustment there. But philosophically, it's not like the guy was all of a sudden coaching a completely different way. And then everybody that was upset, like you don't hear from him anymore, right. uh, which is why I'm, I'm just generally reluctant to be like, hey, this coach doesn't know what he's doing when I. Don't even know what all the terminology is as much as I watch the games. All right, last thing here. I think I already know the answer to it a little bit, but you go through the uncertainty with Middleton, you know, back and forth. I think physically he looks better the last couple weeks than he's looked all season. I don't really care about the numbers. I just think from a movement standpoint, you may think I'm wrong. You're probably not going to tell me either way. Uh, But the depth is there. I love Ingles' game. Jay coming along. And now you're one. And Boston's had this rough stretch. So I guess it's kind of like, was there, I doubt there was any wavering, John. I just can't imagine, like, it feels like you're feeling the best probably about your team at the best possible time as this regular season closes out.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And and I agree with you, by the way, on, on Chris. Like, I, I do think his numbers support it and our team numbers more importantly support it. But I think he looks great physically. Um, I think he's really coming into his own, getting his legs under him, um, which is massive for us. I mean, Chris is an incredible player and and we need Chris to do what we want to do. Um feel great about our team now. I'm very happy with where we're at, where we've come from. Definitely no wavering uh, throughout the season. I think we've believed in not only who we were, but what we would figure out to become. Like, and, and we always figure out a way to make a move that I think gives us a chance to be better. And, and we did that as well this year. Um, but I, I think there's it's balanced by experience. This team has been there. We've, we've, we understand how important it is to be a top seed. We understand that we can win out of a, a second hole or a third hole if we have to um it doesn't really matter like what matters is we get better every day that we have great habits and that we're healthy and if we're healthy enough and we're good enough and we get a little bit of luck we'll have a chance to do something again this year but there is so many good teams in our conference so many good teams in this league it's a long road ahead of us um but in terms of how we've handled the the journey so far very happy with it Uh, but i don't think anyone is overly confident or or relying on that i think we all understand uh, that we still have a lot of work to do, a lot of habits to create, and, and a lot of things need to break our way to, to really be where we want to be at the end. I
0: can't wait uh, for the playoffs, and specifically to see how this all shakes out, whoever's playing in the Easter Conference Finals. So uh, I know you're busy, man. This means a lot to us, so thanks for taking the time.
1: Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it.
0: This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call? Old school guy probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I do not even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, to protect the things you value most. File a thing right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did. And even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. We want to do something for the Sweet 16 because we really haven't done anything. Um, And this isn't going to, if you're a huge college basketball enthusiast, this might not really quench your thirst. Um, We teased it this week. We used to do this. It was kind of the worst dude Wednesday or worst dude ever. Sometimes we wouldn't do it on Wednesday. I think Van Pelt and I even did something like this years and years ago. We want to come up with a Sweet 16 of the worst guys um cliche guys we have regions so we're gonna pick the regions we'll run through what they are in the seedings and then um we will discuss at length all right everybody ready love it yeah let's do it a lot of pressure all right okay uh in the can't believe we are still friends with this guy region the one seed lies about stuff no one that age lies about any guy We'll get back to these when we pick the region. Yep. Uh the two-seed is still defends Kyrie Irving guy. Some were some thought that was underseeded. <laughs> Three-seed loves to tell you bad news. <laughs> the four-seed doesn't want you to ask out girl that he won't ask out guy. <laughs> Dib's guy. All right. In the watch the big shore economic expert region. <laughs> The number one seed is this is this might win the whole thing. Wants you to lose bets and stocks, but also never bets or invests. Yeah. The two seed is doesn't have money for anything. We're not calling out people with low salaries. We're calling out the guy who fucking goes to Chipotle with you and doesn't even have a 10 on him all the time. The guy still shows up. Yeah, right. (laughs) In your 20s, you get sick of it. In your 40s, you actually are like, here's the 10 bucks. Like, (laughs) get two. Want to bring anything home? Um, Number three, although I could be accused of this, but I don't think this is what it is. It's the ultimate Zag guy. We have an ultimate Zag guy anti-brands. You know, he's the one guy that still has the phone. Nobody else has Uh, roots for other countries in the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> big italy guy <laughs> no not even like way off the grid like dude you don't like iceland i actually like iceland i was i think i was there for them. they had a nice <laughs> soccer run didn't they suri i was into that
2: iceland yeah they got the double claps it was hard to tell the the part, everybody copied it yeah that's true it's true a lot of good-looking large blonde dudes
0: yeah it's like wait what is that yance like no it's yance's I was like, oh okay
2: <laughs> your people uh, you you, you All right, should make um, a lot of friends up
0: there yeah no these are all positive things they just you know it's, it's just very symmetric uh all right number four seed realtor that always says it's the right time to buy <laughs> that was that was one of the last four in but, this this seems very personal. <laughs> yeah. I just want to meet a realtor <laughs> I want to meet a realtor once that says yeah I would hold off I would hold off I don't think it's it's not give it a year Okay, um, this is the I have a switch region. If you need further definition of that, um, it, it's the guy that would never win a fight, maybe has never been in one, and then goes, but dude, I have a switch. Like, if it goes... So these are, <laughs> these are more... So uh, the one seed is the selfish gym guy. Some people are picking yep. that to win the whole thing. Uh, Kyle's submission, which I can't wait to follow up with him specifically, <laughs> is drunk too quick guy. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds good doesn't it yeah it does when you sent that i was like that's in that's in okay uh three seed here is if it wasn't for an injury dot 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 guy man <laughs> you run into a lot of those guys that pick up hoops i've met a, plenty of bouncers that were enormous You'd be like play football I'd Be like, dude tennessee was actually interested like you know knee thing and then i'll be like what blown acl I'd be like, oh, yeah. It's never specific. All right. Four seed uh, tells you what they would have done in the same situation. I think that's underseeded. Yeah. I do think that's underseeded because that guy would be like, well, here's what I would have done. And it's like, oh, you mean the fucking. Tell me more, guy. What (laughs) Stallone did in cliffhanger. (laughs) I would have simply grabbed the gun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why why don't you just rappel down? You've never rappelled? (laughs) Dude, I could put a rappel system together in five minutes duct tape and some bed sheets okay uh last region is pays for blue twitter with 26 followers region <laughs> all right Ouch, uh, some people <laughs> the one seed is believes everything repeat stuff he saw online and presents it as his own guy uh the two seed here is has to have the last word story topper guy i think me and every one of my friends were definitely that during our twenties yep. where when the UVM crew would show up to like other hybrid crews, they'd be like, Oh, the Vermont guys are here. We're just going to outstory everybody. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. funny. And then we would tell the guy and be like, man, your friends from home are quiet. And he's like, no, they hate you guys. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> interesting. There's no oxygen Noted. Left. Noted. Yeah. Like, Oh, what are you telling another story again? You get super intense about it. And then that guy says, what, w- then this happened. Yeah, no, that's cool. We'll be over here. Uh, <laughs> the three seed is, I hope she sees this tweet
2: guy. <laughs> Most underrated seeding in the entire bracket.
0: <laughs> oh man, you think so? You think I've got thoughts low? on this? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Again, we can't discuss. And and the final submission of the Sweet Sixteen of the worst guys is the four seed argues with celebrities online guy. Okay, um, Kyle, any thoughts? Any any regions you want to focus in on here? Uh, you know, I think I'll just have thoughts when when we get to the matchups. I'd, I'd I'll save it for
3: then there's some okay, really so, good ones on here and there's some people that are my friends and dare I even say my family uh in here so uh I, I'm just gonna tread lightly but gotta be honest hey look I've
0: got shades of a couple of these in me so I mean to be totally <laughs> so, fair yeah some of these okay uh, you uh, if we can't believe we were still yeah right I mean I, I don't uh look <laughs> you know I think we I think I think we tell the good parts and we tell the bad parts on this show. Yeah. So
3: that's shades of story time. <laughs> okay. I love yeah. That. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: Kevin, like O'Connor you, think, draft you think this segment's good. I did a segment with Van Pelt six years ago anyway. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So let's look at the, can't believe we're still friends with this guy region. Lying at a certain age. is like, wait, like when you discover somebody in their thirties or forties still makes up shit. You're like, wait, what? Like, you know, sometimes kids are teenagers and they they got to get it out of their system then you go to college and you're like what the fuck you're like now that guy lies all the time and then like if you're still doing that kind of stuff i'd be shocked that you have that many friends so that's that's a pretty heavy favorite for this region absolutely i'm I'm part of any
3: group it's like it's you can't have like it's like a if you're like 20 percent of a five person group right that's how that math works down or 25 whatever that is Like You can't have the guy that's constantly like, like, yeah, that guy's just a wild card because we don't know if he's ever telling the truth. That guy is getting pushed out by the day, I think. They're just waiting for the big one to be like, dude, we can't do this anymore. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty high.
2: I would say it's, they're usually harmless stories, though. So while it is super annoying, like usually that guy lies around the edges. So it's like, you know, like high school football stats. It's as we talked about before, like his, you know, whether or, <laughs> or not he could have gone pro or not, like how good he is at FIFA. Some usually I've, when, at least the guys that I've come across, like it's kind of harmless stuff and it's annoying. You don't like to talk to that guy, but it like doesn't piss me off enough. So I don't know. I'm not as, I'm not as fired up about this one, I guess, as you guys are
0: yeah well, I look, I think that there's there's two things there if it's the stuff on the edges that actually doesn't mean anything like nobody's really being harmed, but then I think there's guys that just straight up like are selling a version of themselves where you know that could lead to bigger problems um, yeah okay, problem with super Bowl tickets this last year about that.
3: yeah I, I know can get, <laughs> out of, can get out of hand you know
0: <laughs> yeah, that might be the winner in this one um, So do you had some thoughts on kind of the, the guy that just wants to box you out underneath the glass as as women come off the backboard but can never get the rebound <sighs> um
2: <laughs> i have some thoughts about this
0: <laughs> you don't oh that was a pretty extensive exhale so i thought you were about to go no all right just, that's yeah. fine um we, we know the to love to tell guy. you bad news guy the loved it like, like you ever get a text be like hey here who died and be like i'm about to find out aren't i And you don't actually talk to that person that much. Like some people love being like, oh, somebody died. All right, who do I call? How many people can I call right now? And unless like the person needs to be called, I don't know that there's an urgency. This is not free agency signing where it's like breaking news. Uh, but some people love to do that. I think the lies about stuff, although I'll tell you, if, if I had a friend that was still going like, you guys don't get Kyrie, I, I, it would be an ex-friend. OK, I just um, lost
3: the last guy who when he left the Nets, he, when he, he was on the Nets, he was like a big Nets fan from New, even from back when they were in New Jersey. He was like making every excuse out of the sun, It's the media. And then he was like, I fucking hate that guy. So I was wondering if I was going to lose that guy. But he's on board now. So uh, he's back to normal.
0: Yeah, I mean anybody. As soon as he leaves, then it's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, it wasn't the media's fault, or it was before (laughs) when he was on my team. Okay, uh, the watch the big short economic expert region again. We've got wants you to lose bets. Who never bets? Also, stocks available in this uh, doesn't have money for anything. Ultimate Zag guy anti brands. uh, Four realtor that always says it's the right time to buy. I think the four seed there. They were just happy to even be to the tournament, but there's no way they're coming out of this region. It might be the one seed again. I don't want to go all chalk, but I have. Like it's just so annoying when it's like, Oh, hey, did you invest in that company, yep, did you see the stock? Yeah, I did. I see it every fucking day., <laughs> eh. tried to tell you, no, you didn't, you didn't do shit, you didn't say anything, you didn't know anything about it, and you don't even wh- what did you do? What was your call? What's your money maker? Oh, well, you know, I don't like to i don't you know i don't I don't play that game, like, okay, have less interest in mine. Does it sound personal? Yes, it does. <laughs>
4: It does. Uh, a lot of these yeah, dudes. I don't.
3: My, not not a lot of dudes in my <laughs> groups are uh, are on that level with stocks and stuff. I do have one super annoying crypto guy, so I throw him in there. Mm. That was that was really tough to. Do you hear say that to him? Like when crypto has its fluxes, you go, "Oof." <laughs> no, he <laughs> yeah. Did you see this, Bitcoin uh, guy. <laughs> he did. He was on like the Dogecoin wave. He was on the mm-hmm. Dogecoin wave, so he was like. He was showing us like screenshots all the time, and then it just got real quiet. <laughs> and so we just let him, we just let him because it was like, oh man, I know that guy probably lost 30 grand, but uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I put that in that's in that uh, that uh category as well. So yeah, I can agree with you there.
2: I don't know. I think we're are we, I think we're selling ultimate sad guy a little bit short here. He's my winner out of this bracket, like that guy who's like, you know, oh, you have an iPhone, like I would never own an iPhone galaxy Anthem galaxy all the way yeah, so that guy, yeah exactly mm, you know like I, I like that guy he just he's a downer in every scenario so you're you're telling me like which one of these people would i least want to hang out with it would absolutely be that guy <laughs> he's just he sucks in every walk of life like the guy that roots against you and your bets like i don't know like i have we, my me and my buddies we do this thing where we all like uh do a parlay every weekend on either soccer or the nfl we pull money together and you know it's a bigger payout or whatever and secretly, guys behind the scenes are rooting against each other. We don't, all, we, like, we don't want everyone to win because you don't want to be the one guy that's out. So like, I, I don't really have a huge issue with that. Doesn't have money for anything guy. You're right. That's kind of like a little bit younger. I think the, the Zag guy who just hates all the mainstream stuff, hates all the cool movies, doesn't like any music anymore. Like that guy, you cannot have any fun with that guy going out.
3: Yeah, I didn't realize that guy was in this uh, in this region. And I think you're right. Yeah,
0: because he he's checking a lot of boxes for me. I mean, it, the Apple thing's a perfect example. I'm like, oh, MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> You're like yeah what's they're it like awesome. being a slave <laughs> yeah right like no i get it you sign up for itunes and i'm probably not gonna switch anything over but I'm, I'm pretty good right now you know
2: like yeah. no viruses uh, yeah. what do you want me to do I mean, you get your money yeah you get
0: yeah you get your music from there dude <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like dwight Schrute with the russian downloads yeah it's like, always using right. some program that you uh, don't even know either
2: it's like cool man like i don't know like five people use this what do you want me to do
0: yeah, right. You're like, hey, can you save a podcast with me? Yeah, okay, cool, no problem. You're like, are you used to Dutch? Can you download Dutch House? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh... Like, yeah, the first 30 days of, and again, you know, under budget podcasts and not dumping on your tech. You just <laughs> you get to, you know, it would be more of an argument. Like, no way. No, dude, the buffering of this is way better. You're like, yeah, but. Okay. All right. So ultimate zag guy, maybe a sneaky three seed that yeah. gets out of there. I think then doesn't have money for anything after a certain age. You just feel so bad. You,
2: yeah. You nailed that. It. You all but band the,
0: together around him. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Saruti, you saying like you root against the other guy's bets, you're all betting. You're in a parlay contest. You should be rooting against each other. I'm talking about me Thanksgiving, 25 years old, Vermont, and I've got 50 bucks in the lions on Thanksgiving day and I'm at my girlfriend's family's house, and the brother in law is like, Do you bet? And I was like, Yep. Who'd you take? Oh, I, I, again, I think I took the Lions. So we know how that's going to go. And he started rooting for the other team. Yep. Well, this like, is that, fuck, that gets dude. into
2: like the tells you what All you would do in that situation. But, like, wow, man, I would have backed the Bears there. Just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right, because he didn't have a thing to say, and as my bet's falling apart, he's like, Yeah, saw this coming. I'm like, Do you know you didn't? You don't even like it. <laughs> if you did, you wouldn't see like sports yeah. <laughs> guy. Right, right, right. I'm like, up, oh, I could have told you not to bet the lions, did you? <laughs> All right. Uh I have a switch, fighter region, non fighter, one selfish gym guy. I think it's it's pretty self explanatory there, where if everybody operated the way you did, gyms would look like flea markets. Um, let's explain drunk too quick guy, Kyle, mm-hmm. this, this was one of your submissions out of the, the, they won their conference. So they were an auto bid anyway.
3: <laughs> uh, you know, I see it a lot in girls, but there's definitely a lot in, in, in dudes as well. I saw it more in college, but I could pee. I could spot it out now, especially at a bar. I mean, remember I said like that one guy who, you know, didn't drink in college or didn't drink in high school. And then he's in college and his face is red all the time. And he's always fucking like, you know, he's always, <laughs> he's, he's hanging out with some drinker crews. He's always trying to keep up. He's not saying anything to anybody, but God damn it. That guy is fucking hammered. You don't know where he is. You find him in a snowbank. That's like the college version of that guy. But like, you know, it, it in, in bars or parties, like that guy's like, that guy's loud. He's probably he's like and everyone else is at this normal part of the the event or whatever you're doing. But he's like he's like in your face. He's loud. He's he's like he just looks different than everybody else. And he's 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 like kind of messing up the vibe. And a lot of times the two drunk guy does it every time, no matter where you're at. It's like, oh, we're going to the, the you know, the Dodgers game. And it's like, oh, shit, I really hope we're not against any we're not near any. Dodgers fans because this guy's going to do some fucking shit because he always does and he gets drunk after two tall boys or something just the just the the drunk too quick guy and usually that guy never learns so he's usually constantly getting drunk too quick like I said see it a lot in girls but um this is a dude's draft so
0: yeah yeah not sure it's going to make it out although the four seed in this tells you what they would have done in the same situation no one likes that and everybody does it a lot of people do it yeah. Okay. All right. Last one. Last region. Pacer Blue Twitter, 26 followers, uh, believes everything, repeats stuff they saw online as their own uh, story topper. Center of attention has to be three seed. I hope she sees this tweet guy. Uh, four seed argues <laughs> <a> celebrities, <laughs> online guy. Saruti, why don't you give us a little more depth on the three seed here?
2: No, I mean, it's, it's, I think I suggested this one to the group because, and I, you know, it's, it's always the, uh, like, I, I, I got to tiptoe around this one too because you got to be careful here. But like the guy that like always sides with the girl because it's like, he's not, dude, she's not going to sleep with you, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, could you just stop being such a simp? Like, that's what this guy is. Like, he constantly tries to suck up to whatever. It's like, what it's famous women or if you're at the bar, he always sides with the women over the boys. Like, it's just like, what what are we doing here? And that guy, he has a clear agenda. He knows what he wants to do. Everybody knows what he's trying to do, but it's not going to work most most likely. And then you're alienating all your other dude friends. So I, this guy to me, I mean Man, I think he's under as a three seed
0: Yeah, see, I, I thought it was different. I thought it Me was too. like when I tweet something nice to Sarah Walsh, and it's 17 guys thinking they're the most original oh. person ever saying, I hope she sees this. And it's like, yeah, she is going to see it because we're friends. And we're
2: I, know I'm each thinking other really of, from time. the reverse angle. So, from, yeah. Like the guy who's doing it on purpose so that he hopes she does see it. That guy. Okay. So we're
0: playing. it's not. Maybe it's a playing game. Yeah. Maybe it's a playing game between the two. That's Here's the point. I thought right. it was different too. I've got a couple dudes that
3: like tweet when they get into arguments with their girlfriend but he's like subtweeting his own girlfriend it's like wow <laughs> we're all seeing this man what's going on here oh, or man. like the uh or the guy who like makes statements about his lifestyle hoping that girls are gonna like see it it's that's what I thought like, like I hope she sees that tweet so we're, we're I mean I guess this could be it all right I mean this one's a pretty strong seed then
0: yeah. there was there was an all timer that I saw and I'm just going to share it because uh, a friend of ours retweeted it who could get away with retweeting it but it was some famous dude that was like don't ask for nudes during the pandemic guys seriously <laughs> 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 and you were just like why would you why did you tweet that oh, what, I love like, it. I love as it. As if it was, it is, you know, as if somebody's like, finally, someone said it. <laughs> it out of control. <laughs> uh, the one seat's uh. not getting a ton of attention here, and maybe that's the whole point. Is that these? All right, I think. Oh uh, uh, man, I don't know. Who do you got winning the whole thing?
2: Well, do we want, do we want to go bracket by bracket and then get Reminder? a final four here? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fine so let's let's just
2: vote then so from the the, from the first region i think i still have still defense Kyrie guy okay kyle uh i don't think that's it for me but i forget what was in the first region
0: uh lies about stuff that no one lies about anymore at a certain age still defense Kyrie. loves to tell you bad news doesn't want you to ask out girl he won't ask out guy (laughs) yeah i think dibs guy's mine (laughs) dibs guy okay um I'm going to go one seat. So that means I get the first tiebreaker. The one seat lies about stuff that... All right. So I don't have a tiebreaker anymore. All right. I'll just go in order. Uh, Watch the big short region. Wants you to lose bet stocks. Doesn't have money for anything. Ultimate zag guy for realtor that says it's always the right time to buy. Zag guy. Yeah. Chalk. Zag guy. All right. Zag guy moves on. I have a switch region. Selfish gym guy. Drunk too quick guy. If it wasn't for an injury guy. Um, number four seed is what they would have done in the same situation. I'm the what they would have got. What they would have done, guy. I think some of those other are more harmless and annoying,
3: but that one is just fucking super irritating.
2: Yeah, Kyle's play for the drunk too quick guy. He definitely sold me, but it's def- it's the four seed. It's it's tells you what they would have done in that situation. That's the worst guy. Four seed coming up.
0: I'd go chalk, but I lose that one. That's fine. Uh, pays for blue Twitter, twenty six followers region. Finally, <laughs> again, we just covered this uh, repeat stuff. He saw online. I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, you know, the thing about Silicon Valley Bank is like, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. are you talking about? You're a banking expert right now? <laughs> so He's got daily. He's got lots. This is to 20 minutes of the all-in pod and you're telling me yeah. about treasury bonds? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> story topper, I hope she sees this, which, again, we had three different Man, definitions, yeah. so I don't know. There might just be confusion of what kind of system they're running there. Um, and then four argues the celebrities online. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of
3: Twitter ones here and a lot of internet ones here. So I would just go for the That's one the that region. affects me in person. Yeah, you're right. I I think I'd go for the story topper just because it affects me in person. Some of these guys, like the Twitter blue guy, wouldn't even be friends with that guy. I don't think I am friends with any of those guys. If, if I am, sorry that I I haven't seen your tweets in a while. But um, yeah, so I think I think the one that that ruins in person story time is 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 the one I would choose.
2: I, I would want to go with, I hope she sees this, but it's it's, it's like too broad but all, with all three of us having different definitions. So I'll, I'll agree with Kyle. It's the story topper guy.
3: Yeah, we muddied that up. I think that might have been, uh, I right. already started it actually. So
0: story time, fun. hanging a banner atop <laughs> all the other <laughs> banners
4: for your final four. All right, let's get to life advice. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, It was amazing.
0: This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus, Plus, ESPN Plus all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com.
4: You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible.
0: Let me tell you what's required. The email address for Life lifeadvice rr at gmail.com. Okay, this one is for Kyle, and it is specific, and it is rare, so we're going to do it. Uh, the title of this one is The Foil Yips. The question is for Kyle. I'm a big fan of the show, so this one might be a bit of a deep cut for new listeners, but something Kyle said a couple months ago uh, back has progressively and unintentionally ruined my mornings. I am now the Chuck Knoblock of wrapping a sandwich. On some random <laughs> episode, Ryan asked Kyle to say something about himself that he was great at. We need to keep doing that. Um, to my surprise. By the way, I'm catching everything. What does that mean? I'm catching everything. <laughs> Like if a key keys drop off a thing, I'm, I'm no look backhanding it. I had a bolt that I was tying in off the other side and I, then I undid oh. it to check the washer and then the bolt fell behind and I couldn't even see it. And I caught it. I'm on a two month stretch of fucking catching everything. And that oh means God. only stuff like, you know, in my hands, not a cold or virus. All right. Uh, so, um, to my surprise and amusement, Kyle said he was really good at knowing exactly how much foil is needed every time he rips a piece off. I remember thinking, wow, I literally have never thought about that. And I quickly moved on. Flash forward to a couple of weeks ago, my office moved to a different part of Manhattan. How is this related? Well, you see, Ryan, I'm a big sandwich guy. Nothing breaks the monotony of a workday like a good sandwich. I agree. In the Manhattan neighborhood I used to work in, the sandwiches are reasonably priced high single digits, but now the new neighborhood, we're talking about quality sandwiches being sold at lunchtime for upwards of 18 to $20. Sandwich uh, get inflation priced is out. real.
2: Get yeah, priced out. Happening.
0: Naturally, that's a little too rich for my blood, so I started making my own sandwiches at home. For whatever reason, the first time I was making a sandwich in the new routine, Kyle's foil rant got in my head. I am now unable to tear off a reasonable piece of foil for my sandwiches <laughs> in the morning. It is either way too big, which makes things awkward and makes me look like an ass at work, maybe i'm in a pretty judgmental workplace If you are like fuck can you <laughs> see see dave's sandwich wrap yeah. fucking sending that to the moon um <laughs> or way too small which of course means i need to start over oh that's infuriating too small is infuriating too small right because uh. then there's dressing sort of everywhere you're like do i throw
3: your- this shit out no because you can't leave it too small you just have to waste the whole piece
0: yeah yeah smudges the hardcover of your new rick rubin book um <laughs> i know i'm in my head about this so i really need kyle's advice is all his talent god given or is there a method to the madness is there a brand of foil he prefers how can i slow the process down and be a serviceable sandwich packer again i'm um, also going to be first time dad i don't want to be Shaq at the freezer line picking up my kids lunches oh packing up my kids lunches yeah so he's got He's not even just worried about his yeah. own four. Yeah, you're deal. rapping it gets, for two. Yeah. yeah you're you're for you don't want your kid getting bullied <laughs> you over go, a sandwich. Rap. For two. <laughs> <laughs> like, how come you don't invite how come you don't invite Todd over? You see his sandwiches, mom? He looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> I
3: would say to this dude, I felt like the cool kids always bought school lunch, but maybe that was just my school. So I don't want to say that's for all schools. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, you know what? It might be God given. I gotta be honest, because I was gonna say I'm a Reynolds rap, I'm a Reynolds rap guy, but in college, we were buying off brand uh from the Potsdam IGA. And uh, that stuff was totally different feel to it. Still on the money every time, really. So it's just it's been like this forever. I'd say, you know, here's here's let's hear something, right? I um, when I first got the, this job at the Ringer, and I was I was a PA uh, at the any given Wednesday show, and I started uh, working in audio at the Ringer. I, there's a lot of dudes who went to school for uh, audio engineering and stuff. So naturally, they're pretty good at wrapping up chords. The first couple of times I was wrapping up chords, dudes were like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not how you wrap up a chord. That's insane, you know? And so I basically once, to, you know, I would just sit in a room, you know, sort of like getting my shots up. I just unwrap a chord, wrap it up. And you find there's actually a way the chord wants to wrap itself. I'd say just get yourself a practice foil, um and just maybe maybe even different breads and just spend a little time. I spent the time. Now I wrap the cord. I see what they mean. The cord wraps itself. It's I'm actually pretty fucking good at wrapping cords. I can wrap them big. I can wrap them small if it needs to be really tight. Um, so I'd say maybe you just maybe you just get a uh just a practice foil and uh, just spend the time, man. Put in a podcast. Maybe maybe listen to the next life advice when it comes out. Just you don't need to do it forever, but I just think you know you figure out the nice arm length that you want to pull it out. Because that's the other thing with wrapping cords. You got to figure out the right exact amount to pull out before you wrap it. And so I think, I think you really should just practice it. And I think you'll know whether you're able to do this or not. And, and uh, I, to, for me, I can't tell you if this is a God-given talent or not. It does feel like it for how good it is. I mean, between wrapping sandwiches, any type of baking dish, a grill, you know, just tell me a grill. I don't even have to see the grill sometimes. I'll be like, I bet this is enough. And guess what it is. So um, I just say practice it.
0: Uh, This feels a lot like construction rules where you're measuring twice and cutting once here. So, you know, I don't know if maybe you can get just a test foil, maybe a lesser brand if you don't want to drop what it costs a Reynolds wrap, which really feels like it is the standard, although anti-brand guys like, dude, you guys use Reynolds (laughs) wrap. Never heard of Todd's foil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're like, nope, haven't. <laughs> Not Nothing wrong with ha. Kroger, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, maybe maybe Reynolds' rap, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just a fucking brand sucker, but I would say, why don't you just get a test roll? And you're like, I got one thing to do this afternoon, and that is learning how to do this, okay? But I think it's a lot like folding a letter where what you'd want to do is get the sandwich position where the fold up on the tear side is to the middle of the sandwich And then you should be able to figure out the math from that point on. And you probably could even wrap it while it's not even torn off to get kind of a basic idea of like, hey, if I'm around the sandwich, we're talking loaf, I got to get midpoint here. I got to flip it over. This gives me enough midpoint overlap where it doesn't feel too excessive. And then it's the under and the tuck. If I'm going sub, all right, I don't need to go as deep, but I got to make sure the width is right maybe do i work it at some kind of angle i think all of this is very solvable the biggest thing would be just fucking pay attention to the time you did it right and look how much came out and remember then, how i, gotta be, yeah, be like, a I lot gotta be yeah i gotta be in this range right now i mean i don't know how you could keep fucking it up all the time but i would maybe get a test roll and just burn the five bucks going i'm never
2: gonna be wrong at this again i, I think it's a god-given thing like kyle said though Ooh, wow jason Kidd, then born a Damn. passer <laughs> well, no, so I'm I am a very good folder of clothes. Um, I'm very particular about, it, especially with t-shirts. Uh, I have a very specific technique of like tucking fingers in. And so there are no wrinkles, so I don't look like a slob when I wear this thing. So I don't have to use an iron. Back in the day, I used to iron my t-shirts because I was so weird about like wrinkles in my t-shirts. I'm a weird guy. Sorry, that's weird. Um, but I've tried to teach. I've tried to teach <laughs> my wife this. I'm admitting it's weird. Maybe I should be on the list on the, in the bracket. But Just do that. But uh, did you walk feet? past tournaments?
0: <laughs> did you walk past Abercrombie, being like, my god?
2: No, I never worked retail. Actually, no, that's not true. <laughs> That's, I did work at Sports Authority, uh, but I wasn't folding clothes. I was selling hoops and trying to sell them like the protection plan, which nobody ever bought because I would never try to sell it because you should buy it. It's stupid! It's a scam. Uh, but no, I'm very and I've, t- I've tried to teach my wife how to fold for years. Like we've been married for I don't know five, six years. Oof. We've uh, we've been together for almost a decade. She just can't do it. She can't do it. And it's one of those things. Like I just don't think she has it in her. And maybe this guy just doesn't have the the you know the the foil thing in him. I will say. You know, like when you go to Chipotle and they have like the pre-cut ones that they just pull out and they bang and it's like they don't have to worry about cutting it. Maybe instead of, you know, wasting a roll, just trying to figure it out, maybe just get a ruler out and just cut a bunch of them and have like a whole stack. And then you have to worry about it day to day. And then you have the oh, exact dude, length in a drawer. What are you, a <laughs> hundred? I'm just That's saying. That's such what? an old you're person see, thing. This what? is what? <laughs> my foil drawer. You're going to practice. You're going to say, oh, did you waste a whole roll practicing? If you're going to practice, you might as well just cut it and, ru- and do it with a ruler. You're, you're, not, you're not wasting foil. Uh, you get the right size. I don't know, man. This seems like a, a better thing than practicing. What if he's using hoagies? What if he's using like hoagies
3: and he's got like you know he's got just one. What if it's a baguette? Yeah, yeah. What if he's? What if it's different? I'm, I'm, gonna go
2: on a, I'm gonna go on a limb and say he's making the same sandwich every day.
3: I think the sandwich I, he makes for his kid is gonna be a different size than the man sized sandwich he makes.
0: Look, Suri, I'm just telling you having a foil drawer of free cut foil is, <laughs> is way weirder you guys than are just burning a roll trying to practicing. get this right one day.
2: You guys are advocating for practicing. Well, it bothers ripping him foil. It bothers that's him. Insane. I want him to get good at it. You're saying you're sitting here telling me I'm insane, that's insane. No, man. <laughs> He wrote an email. Yeah, about the guy Yeah, cares. we just
0: dis- we disagree violently <laughs> about this. If I went to your house and be like, "Hey, are your spoons in here?" and you're like, "No, that's my pre cut foil that's my drawer." drawer. Like, what? <laughs> um, uh,
4: okay,
0: well,
3: okay. You know. God, I'll I really try. thought we'd be all on right. the same page here, fellas.
0: Okay, right. look, I mean, no, I'm not saying it's inefficient. I'm not even saying that, from, like, cost perspective. You're, right. I just think it's fucking weird. That's
2: okay, all. fair. You know. What?
0: That's okay. Fine. Uh yeah no it, it, it's, <laughs> more people might we might get follow-ups being like had a foil drawer since 88 it's been fucking incredible <laughs> makes
2: my day much easier
0: yeah alright yeah god you guys can't believe you said that to Sarudi. Yeah. you know there's a convention in Daytona alright uh, this one's fake I'm reading it anyway there's no way this is real but I'm reading it I'll act like it's real then with you <laughs> there's no way this happened but we'll we'll see I guess there's a way it could have happened, which is why I'm reading it. 33-year-old, 6'1", 190, pickup game combination of uh, Zubats-like handles, uh, jump shot similar to Eric Gordon, with less confidence in my shooting ability than Ben Simmons. That is a hybrid right there. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were hosting her family for dinner. Her mom, dad, brother, and his two children were all carpooling together to our house. So that's your wife's parents your wife's brother, and his two kids. It's five people carpooling together to our house. Usually our parents are brother hosts, but we decided that it should be our turn this time. We told them to come at 6.30 and that dinner would be served around seven. We were serving a lot of food and making it all ourselves. So we were very busy in the kitchen all afternoon prepping for the meal. My wife texted them in the morning asking to let us know when they were on the way, but no response. Then at 5.30, all of a sudden we hear the doorbell. After not responding the whole day or telling us they were coming early, they just show up as we were still in the middle of prepping everything. My wife was annoyed and I was extremely upset especially because it was our first time hosting and I wanted the food to be perfect after consulting with my wife we decided i would answer the door and refuse to let them in i said quote i'm sorry but i can't let you guys in yet we're not quite ready yet we invited you for 6:30 and frankly we don't want any distractions as we finish preparing dinner that's weird what is this the fucking menu here like <laughs> that's weird. it's your house I hope you didn't really do this. Uh, My mother-in-law laughed at first, but then quickly grew angry when she realized I was serious. She demanded to be let in and complained that it was too cold to stand outside for an hour. (laughs) This was quite dramatic, in my opinion. It was a chilly day for March in the Midwest, but they were all wearing large North Face jackets, and it couldn't have been any colder than 40 degrees. You gave them the
3: ocular pack This isn't real. (laughs) Scanned them. Let them hang out in the garage.
0: You guys have really good equipment. Right. They continued complaining about the weather, so I suggested they go to grab a drink until we're ready for them. I even gave them the name of a great kid-friendly bar and restaurant that was less than a mile away, but they didn't seem to appreciate my recommendation. They yelled at me some more before leaving soon after that and ended up not returning for dinner. They missed out on an excellent pork roast. It's not real. There's no way this person thinks this way. We didn't hear from them anymore that night. My wife only heard from her brother the next day with him telling her that they ended up just going to his place and ordering takeout. That was a few weekends ago, and we've only seen her side of the family once since then, and it was very tense and awkward to say the least. I will stand by the decision, as I find it extremely rude to not only ignore my wife's messages all day, but then to show up unannounced much earlier than the agreed upon time. But now after a recent interaction with him, I'm wondering if maybe I could have handled the situation slightly differently. He's a so maniac. <laughs> I didn't think we were being unreasonable at the time, but now my wife is now thinking we should have caved in and let them in. How would you guys have handled it? Should we have compromised and let them in 30 minutes earlier at six? What? If they like, show up late hey, before,
3: you got to let them in. Like,
0: <laughs> Hey, you know what? Okay, you did show up early. You don't have to wait outside in the cold for an hour. 30 minutes. Fair? I met you in the middle. There's <laughs> <laughs> a great park. Let's hang out there. What can I do now and in the future to repair this rift between them and uh, get along better with their family in general any advice is appreciated love the pod. if you really did this you completely fucked up completely fucked up like this is going to be hard to even come back from you are now the husband of their daughter of uh, obviously the sister here and this is, this is like, I get it. I get it. Like I used to be kind of just show up guy. My dad did it. So I, I don't know. Like he just would I'd be like, can you tell me when you're coming over? Cause you get older and you're like, Hey, I just want to know when you're coming over. I'm also not, you know, putting together a pork roast for eight, but it just helps when you're the person that is going to be visited be like, can you just give me a window? Can you give me kind of a heads up? So I know what I'm doing. Right. I want that window now. If somebody's coming by the place. Um, but when it's family like this and there's two kids by the way, which makes this way fucking worse where, you know why they didn't get back to you? Because they're carpooling and the brother's getting together his kids and he's dealing with all of his stuff, all right? And there's a standard when it's an immediate family, despite how rigid maybe some of you are listening to this, I believe there should be a standard that when it's family, when it's this close, you know, it's not the cousin you've never heard from and you let them in, you let them into the house, fucking turn the TV on and have the kids screw around in the living room and you can go back there, the bear, and prep all this stuff that you need to and then (laughs) bring it out. All right. You're not running a restaurant. They're showing up because of family. There needs to be m- way more tolerance, leniency with family here. So I would, the, if you really did this, because the writing's really good. So I'm wondering if it's true. If you really did this, what you need to do is fall on a sword. You yeah. need to destroy yourself forever. You need to make <laughs> fun of yourself for years about how fucking stupid you are only because you wanted everything to be perfect. And you tell them you were a lunatic because if you really did this, this is lunatic behavior. Yeah. Um. I don't really have much more to say about this other than, I mean, maybe there'll be some that go like, hey, it can be an inconvenience. Yep. Yeah. You know what else is an inconvenience? Having two kids freezing outside for an hour because the brother-in-law is a fucking weirdo about his meal prep. Yeah, you got a really terrible look here. It's going to take a while to get this stink off you. Uh,
3: I think, uh, if, like I said, if they showed up the day before, you have to let them in. <laughs> like If it was just like, I already yeah. oh, fucked up, you have to let them in. Uh, th- that's insane. Uh, you know, maybe they don't know. I just watched The Office yesterday where Michael Scott's like, it's actually super polite to show up early to a party um, when he goes to David Wallace's house. <laughs> uh, so it's like, I, you're not in the wrong for being, like, put out. But uh, still, I, I just... Uh, you just you you have the stink on you. And, you know, I think your wife actually got off easy because you like you thought you were doing her the favor by like doing this. But you actually just slapped Chris Rock for, you know, for making a joke. It wasn't like this was not the right response to this. And everyone else is like, what the fuck was that, dude? So uh, you got to. You can't accept the Oscar. You have to say sorry. So like you you have to you have to you can't you can't drag this apology out and you got to get out in front of this. You already waited too long. And she doesn't look as bad as you do, even though you thought you were helping her, you know, because she was stressed as well. So you just, you're right. You got to say completely sorry. I don't know what came over me. I just wanted everything to be perfect. I didn't, I didn't think it all happened so fast. It was a blur. Next thing I knew you guys were outside. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Not that
2: I had, It's a colossal fuck up. Yeah.
0: I don't think there's anything to add. I don't think there's that because I just don't understand like, okay, they didn't get back to you, but you knew there'd be a window. They showed up a bit earlier. Was your, what if they had said they were showing up at 530? Would you have told them not to? Like, were you trying to spoon the sauce on the backside of the plate here and then have the loin perfectly addressed on top of it so that the right when they walked in, like it was all going to work out? Kids mess up plans. Okay. Kids mess up plans. But even without the kids, this doesn't make any sense. I can't believe you looked at your, your your mother and father in law and your brother in law and said, We're not ready for you yet. <laughs> okay, that's life advice. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Uh Bill and I on Sunday, every Tuesday, Thursday. Oh yeah, we uh we get a little spit and chicklets Rosillo pod crossover for you next week that we're pretty excited about. So um have to have to just dust off the old hockey prep. I probably won't be great on that side of the conversation, but <laughs> all right. Uh, Ryan Russell podcast. on your Spotify.